0: Say, oh, that's it. <laughs> I say, yep, that's it. And it's, it's beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. To them, who knows? <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Arts In, also known as AI, the podcast sponsored by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and with me today is Marlis Meckler. And Marlis is a docent at the Dali Museum, a docent at the Chihuly Museum, a tour leader for public art tour, a tour leader for mural tours in the St. Petersburg area, and a wealth of stories and knowledge about art in Pinellas County. Marlis, welcome. Welcome.
0: Thank you. How long have you lived in this area? Well, I've been here 12 years. I grew up in Chicago, but we lived 47 years in Los Angeles. I had been a docent at L.A. County Museum of Art for many, many years, although I worked full-time. I was a speech pathologist, and I owned a clinic and had three offices and 10 therapists that worked for me and was always busy. So when I retired, I said, you know, someday I'll do this, someday I'll do that, someday I'll do this, and I always wanted to get more involved in the art. It was a minor of mine, but I don't have any talent. But I've always loved sharing art with others. And I came here, and the first couple of weeks I met Hank Hine, and he introduced me to Peter Tush, and I became a docent after many classes Mm -hmm. of Dali. I was itching to do something else, to find a niche, and I asked Hank. And Hank said, well, talk to Ann Wykell. Then I said, I'd like to volunteer in some way, and she said, how soon can you come in? So I came in, and she gave me some choice projects, and one of them was the public art. And I was hooked. I was hooked, and much of it was in her head. Some of it was from newspaper articles that were all around in different drawers. I got a list of the artists. I called many of them. I met many of them. I wrote the script, and I was off and running. So take me on a tour, Well, I have some favorites because of the stories, and I like to mix community centers with libraries, with fire stations, with parks, so that people get a sense of everything. I also want to be sure that they vote for pennies for Pinellas. I want to tell them what each piece costs. I'm very honest. There are 70 or 80 pieces, and I just say I'm going to show you my favorites. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like them, but I would be interested in what you think of them and I'd like to tell you about them. Every piece has a story. So it doesn't matter if it's a mural, and it doesn't matter if it's on mailboxes or on the street, it has a story. And that story is not only about what that piece is about, but it's the story of the artist, where he's coming from with that piece. You know, for a fire station, we'll go to several, but we'll go to the one on 4th Street. And it is two children of different ethnic backgrounds looking up at a flag, holding a burned fire helmet. And he told me the story that he had a dream before he went to the council meeting to explain what he wanted to do. And his dream was that there was a fire in the area and kids were playing in a field and they found a burned helmet on the ground. That was something true that really did happen and that they had lost their first African-American fireman at that fire. And so I explained the art, the bench, how it matches the roof of the building. And really the firemen inside the station love it. It's not solid bronze, and so it does need some conservation from time to time. And I tell them up until recently, we had no money for conservation. But it's only now that when a piece of art is decided that $5,000 is set aside for conservation. So when you're deciding a piece, what happens is that it starts right now with the mayor. The mayor submits the names to the city council. The city council approves, and there's usually about nine people. Some are from the mayor's office. There's also the architect for the building, if it's a new building. There's also someone in the community. There's someone that also works in the building. So if it's a library, it could be the librarian. It's not only the municipal buildings, but when a builder decides to build a high-rise and he wants to go beyond the far, which is floor area ratio, he wants to make it wider. He wants to make it taller. He has to give us back something. Mm -hmm. And it can't just be extra lights. It can't be extra foliage. It has to be a piece of art. So if you go to 300 Beach, you're going to see the flower that's there. You go to 400 Beach, you're going to see a couple of different pieces of bronze. The signature actually has the water wall, and that was the piece they gave. So when we have more buildings, we often have additional art. So what's another favorite on your
1: public art tour?
0: Well, I love It's Healed Up, which is on a university building by James Rosenquist. And I was fortunate enough to meet him because he had a little show at the Dali when I was a docent there. And I sat at the table for lunch with him. And he told me an incredible story about that. He said his son was very ill, he was six years of age. He was sent to St. Anthony's Hospital and the surgeons were incredible. And he said he just owes them everything. He got to know them over the period of time that his son was in the hospital. And every couple of maybe three, four, five months, he has lunch with them. And one day they took him around the hospital and he saw the amazing things they were doing free. They were bringing in these kids from undeveloped countries and they were doing this incredible surgery free. Mm -hmm. And the nurses were taking families home and it was just, he was so impressed. So they were at lunch one day, and they were building this research building on campus. And he said to these surgeons, he said, you know, you guys, you, you need a piece of you need a piece of art on that building. And when he had been going around with them, he had said to them, well, who's paying for this? And they said, well, we are. Mm. We're doing it free. And the nurses are bringing them home. And the, these are not costing the families anything. So when he sat around lunch, he said, you guys, you, you need a piece of art for this building. And they said to him... Well, who's gonna pay for it? And he said, I'll take care of it. And so he did all the design and the lift operator gave the the lift to put it up there. It's a big band-aid that shows a little black blood on it, dripping Mm. down, it's huge. And Tom James gave the last huge check to make it happen. It's very impressive. It's fun to see it, it's just fun. People pass out all the time and never see it. Right. Klon is a good example. When you park in the garage and go for the movies downtown, there's all this great spun gold candy-like art that you pass through that hardly anybody looks at. But Alex Klon did it, he and his wife. And each piece is hand done. Nothing was done by mold. And when you look at the animals and you look at how incredible it is and how hot that furnace must have been to bend that Mm. kind of steel it's amazing. And people say, I go that way all the time. I never noticed it. And that's the kind of thing that I love to do. And I tell people, you know, I take them sometimes. I think fossil wall is a good example. It's at a community center, and it's a huge, huge wall outside of concrete. Mm -hmm. And embedded in it are the fossils, are some fossils. But it's also a place where they play baseball and basketball, and they have dance classes, and they've got all of these images in there. Okay. And we went to take a look at the wall and you could hardly see the images. It was filthy. You couldn't, couldn't really see it. So we were talking about it and a gentleman came out, a young man came out and he said, can I help you? And we said, you know, we're just looking at this piece of art. And he said, oh, is it a piece of art? He said, I'm the maintenance man. And we said, yeah. And we showed him, we said, you know, this shows what's happening inside the building and in your area. And he said, well, you know, I'm an artist. And we thanked him. And we said, if there's any chance you can power wash this, that would be great because you really can't see the beauty of this piece of art. And we went to the car and I turned to put my seatbelt on and there he was on a ladder, a little ladder with Windex and a little rag trying to clean this huge wall. Oh my goodness. And I said to Ann, we're never going to have a problem with that wall again. Huh. He is going to keep it for us. Yeah. Okay? And that's, you know, I take people to that. And that's the kind of story I like to tell them. You know, we sometimes go to a piece of art. It's Asian. It's got this tremendous Asian influence. So it's all stone. One of the community centers on the south side. Mm -hmm. It's little. It's outside. And there's a little running water. And there are different stones. It's beautiful. And it's very calm. And you can see it from the inside of the community center as well. Because it's a big wall. The glass Mm -hmm. wall. And I take people on the bus, and they say, and I tell them, you can get off the bus or stay on. I mean, it's up to you for any of these pieces. And they say, oh, that's it? <laughs> I say, yep, that's it. Anybody that wants to get off with me can get off, and some do, maybe three out of the 25, maybe eight. And it's, it's beautiful to me, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. To them, who knows? But they can decide that. I don't, you know, I don't want to change their opinion. I take them to another fire station on 9th that's got a huge piece of sculpture on it. And I tell them, you're not going to understand the story unless you get out and you feel this piece. And most of them will get out and feel it. But the good thing about this is on 9th, they have a plaque explaining it, explaining how years ago the fire department would take their hoses And pin them on on the building to dry. And that these are the fossils in this area. And there's a bench to sit and look Hmm. at it. And this is another fire station that loves it. They love it. People come out and and I tell them, read the sign. Because it helps understand. Sure. Okay. Oh, another one is the sundial. On 17th and North Shore. And you have to stand on the month. And I take the tallest person. Eric did a great job. Eric Higgs did a fabulous job. This was a site where they found Indian runes, okay? And so he did a sundial there. And there's a story that he wrote also as part of it. But it's the 12 months. And if you stand, so if you stand on December or early, like left on that rock, and you look ahead, you will see your shadow. If it's a sunny day, you will see your shadow. It's just it's incredible. It's so perfect. It has to be a sunny day. If it's raining, we go right past.
1: I think one of the aspects of public art is that it is out there in the world, in the elements, it's not protected generally, and it's gonna have people, you know, messing with it perhaps.
0: Well, we have an attitude about the murals, and it's not permanent. It's not meant to be permanent. It's interesting on the murals that there's very little graffiti on it. There's very little defacing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's more defacing on our public art than there is on the murals. But it's not permanent. You know, I would take people on the mural tour and there used to be a huge wall that said, before I die, I wish, and there was chalk there. Well, the chalk was always missing, so I would carry my own and give everybody a piece of chalk and they would write. The people that are going on the new mural tour want to write again on that ah, wall. Yeah. But, you know, it's not permanent. It's not meant to be permanent. But the interesting thing about this art, the street art, the mural art, public art, is it's it's beautifying our city. It's putting us on the map. And these these artists are coming from all over the world for this small commission of $1,000 and some lunch that we give them for the murals. And I just think it's terrific. I want people to... Want to go see it. Some of the people listening to this might not know what the Shine Festival is. Well, it started about three years ago. The uh, e-blast went out to get some artists in and to try to get building owners to agree to allow somebody to paint on the wall. Initially, there wasn't any money, and it was a barter system where some of the artists said, well, it was a t-shirt store, and they gave us six t-shirts, and we painted the wall. And it sort of grew. Word of mouth, reputation, things that were printed in the newspaper. Diane Shelley organized it out of Florida craft art. It's about a two-hour walking tour. It's better as a bicycle tour. And we now have a tour, okay? And I listened to part of it. It is wonderful. On the earphones. Mm -hmm. And what fun. Mm -hmm. What fun is that? The reds are blood-oozing and the, the blues are the depths of the ocean. It is, it is very descriptive. Well, it's descriptive for the visually impaired, but it's, it's what I like to do too. How do you help someone understand what they're looking at? I just tell them what I see, and I ask them what they see. You know, I learned a lot from being a docent at the Dolly Because if you were to say, if Dolly were alive and you were to say, gosh, that, that looks like a snake over there, he would say, well, what took you so long to see that? Now he didn't mean that as a snake, and who knows whether he really did or not. So I like them to decide for themselves. But that's why I add the stories. Because I think if you just look at it, you often miss something. Paul Epling is a perfect example because he takes used items, mostly car parts, and puts them together. And he has a vision of what it is. And he did, it's called uh, Catching Fireflies, Security Lizard on top of the maintenance building. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he told me a story that I tell people too, because they look at that and they say, really? Really? Right. Uh, And he said he was he was sitting on the curb putting some things together for his lizard. And people came up from the neighborhood and they said, you know, what are you doing? And he said, oh, this is public art. And they said, we don't want public art. We need a new school. We need a fire station that's closer. We need more of a police presence. We're not interested in public art. So, you know, he shrugged his shoulders, he told me. I mean, he felt bad because he knows they need these other things. But this is, this is what he had. This is what he was assigned to. And so kids came out of the high school nearby, and they said, What are you doing? And he said, Well, I'm, I'm making, I'm making a, a lizard up there. And so they left. And about four days later, four of them came back dragging a piece of metal. And they said, Looks like you need something for the chest of that lizard. And will this do? And he said, yeah, it's perfect. Can you get me a few more? And they brought him two more. And it turns out, he said, where did you get this? And they said, well, it was from one of the maintenance trucks, garbage trucks. And, and Paul said, I said to them, you didn't take it, did you? You didn't take it off the truck, right? And they said, oh, no. Oh, no, no, it was broken. And no, 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 you, you can use it. It's OK. But every day somebody came with nails and with metal and with garbage and everything that was stiff and hard. And he used as much as he could. And by the time the lizard was completed, he had the entire neighborhood coming to him, watching how he was doing and applauding him because the kids had talked to the parents and had become very much a part of the project. Mural artists, they use the whole building. They, they use the fire stairwell down, they, they use the chimney, they use the air conditioning equipment, they use everything as part of the art. And when people see that and know that, they have another appreciation for the piece. Well, what you're describing
1: to me is, it's the definition of public that I personally am drawn to. It's interactive, you know, it's engaging with the community. It's not just out in a public environment, which is not to say that there's anything wrong with public art that's just simply out in the public environment being itself.
0: And it's interesting because not only does the Public Art Commission do this, but there's the neighborhood public art as well. Thrill Hill is a perfect example. This big bump, when you come down third, there's a huge bump. And the kids loved if you go fast on it. But on both sides, it tells... The story of the neighborhood. And then the university has public art, and they have great public art. And the other thing is the police department. I went around with people from the city to try to find a piece of ground for them, and it's in Demons Landing now, and I take my buses there, and it's the memorial. And there is a statement made on a huge plaque there that's so, so warm-hearted and so terrific. And that's the place where they have memorials for officers who've been slain. And that's where they honor honor them, Mm -hmm. in that circle. And that's the wives of the police department and people involved in security that got the money to do this. Any works that you particularly like that you would recommend to our listeners that they go see?
1: Perhaps. Oh
0: my gosh! I have so many. Be careful looking at the lizard because you're driving on the freeway. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the the art you can just walk walk downtown. Take a look at the high rise buildings, and you're going to see you're going to see art. You're going to see yeah. the water wall. You're going to see the lily. The lily changes colors at Three Hundred Beach when there's water on it. It's not the same as the sunshine. Go see Eric Higgs's. It would be fun to have a monthly tour but the city has never really felt they could afford to sponsor the bus to do this. I give my time free. It's word of mouth. How about the murals? Absolutely. There are tons of them. Up First Avenue North from First Street all the way up to 34th and down Central and just enjoy them. They're very colorful, very colorful. Do you still do docent work at the Dolly? Are you doing I that? do. I do two tours a week. I do the garden tour, mm-hmm. which is great fun, which is a new tour. Lots of good stuff in the garden, mm-hmm. which is fun. And I do the, the tour of Dolly as well, of his work on Mondays. And then I'm going Sunday to do a special tour. They call me when they need something And why special? would it benefit somebody to take a docent tour when they go to the Dolly versus just sort of walk around. Well, I think of all the museums, that's the most difficult to understand. A lot of his art is dreams, nightmares. And I have people that have come in. I have, I had a husband about two weeks ago that didn't want to be there. He said to me, can I just sit downstairs and have coffee? And his wife said, you can't do that. And afterward, he thanked me. I think you just need to understand. Again, it's a story. But I think you have to be careful with Dolly not to have it all story. He was brilliant. He was smart, talented, didn't matter what medium. He worked with Coco Chanel. He worked with Elsa Schiaparelli. He worked with Disney. He had an office there and a place where he could draw. He worked with Hitchcock doing movies. And he was very, very smart. I take it from his very early stuff when he was five, six, seven, ten 10 years old, which is Impressionism, because there was a family lived a few doors down that had a large Impressionist collection. And also his uncle owned a bookstore and used to bring him art books. So even as a kid, before he could read, he would copy Monet and Monet and copy their style. So I take him from Impressionism to Realism. Basket of Bread or Girl's Back, which is exactly what a camera can do, that he hated to do, to Surrealism. And I take them through that. But I am big on connections and transitions because that's the way I was taught at L.A. County Museum of Art. So I'm very conscious of how I go from gallery to gallery. Mm -hmm. But our groups are so large that you can only do a half a dozen pieces with 50, 60 people. Right. And it doesn't matter whether it's summer or winter. They love him. Mm-hmm. They come off the airplane and if you know, where's my piece? Where's my well, your piece is on loan, you know. <laughs> they get very upset. Oh. There there is a following, you know? There's a resurgence of interest in this guy. And it's 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 fun. Mm-hmm. The people are fun. The place is fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I work at MFA too, but not as a docent. I work in the store work. I volunteer in the store. And I love them. And I love the art there. It's just totally different. And I love Chihuly. And I do Chihuly. And I like it. Knowing more about Dale helps you better understand. But honestly, you can put a piece of multicolored glass in a window and let the sun shine through and it changes your room. It's just beautiful stuff. It talks to you. I love the deli, especially. I love the friendships that I've made there. But I love the public art And I like my my hour at the Chihuly, and I have made a nice life here. And it sounds like you've contributed a lot to a lot of people.
1: So thank you very much for that.
0: I hope so. Thank you for asking me. You're very
1: welcome. Marlis, thank you for joining us. This was wonderful. Thank you for being such a great contributor to this community and to the arts. It's much appreciated. You're welcome.
0: You're very welcome.
1: I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas Podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners, Visit St. Petersburg, Clearwater, and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley, and if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org.